What is up today, Today Crew? Hope y'all are having a phenomenal, phenomenal day. My name is Colton Trout. I'm the owner and founder of the Today's Today community, here to help you crush your goals more consistently by crushing them on a daily basis. If you like the sound of that, make sure you smash that subscribe button. Leave us five-star review if you get some kind of value out of this podcast, which if you listen to this podcast, you know it is just chocked full of value. Um, that is what we are here for. But y'all, we are starting um, or we're getting back into the podcasting game and we're doing it with a bang. Uh, I've got Alex Jarbo here, who is a killer real estate investor. Um, Alex, why don't you go on and introduce yourself to everybody? Oh, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so my name is Alex Jarbo. I'm the founder and CEO of Sargon Investments, which is a, a short-term rental development and management firm. That's awesome. how did you get into that? Yeah, man. So, I mean, if we go all the way back, so I was, I had like, I was, I was serving in the Marine Corps. I was stationed in DC and I was coming up on the last year of my enlistment and I didn't really know. I, I knew I didn't want to reenlist, but I didn't know what I wanted to get into. Um, so I just started reading up on a whole bunch of books in every asset class you could think of general business stuff, stocks, crypto, real estate, real estate really caught my eye just because I like the control that you could have over it or the general control you could have over it. Um, especially with like property value, like you forced appreciation and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, so I dove pretty deep into that world. Um, and I originally landed on a flipping mentorship. And um, after going through that flipping mentorship, what I realized was the person that was in charge of that flipping mentorship, all of their long-term wealth was like tied in short-term rentals. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I got him on a call and I was, he, I, he was actually pretty generous with showing me his numbers and what the properties can make. And this is back in 2015 and 16. Um, but I was like, I was like, no, I, I want to get into this. So he helped me decide on how to choose a market uh, to get into. Um, and then literally the day I got out of the military, I drove to where I currently live now, got my, it took about like three months to get my real estate license. Okay. And then um, I did the real estate thing, the real estate agent thing while I looked for my own property for like six to eight months. And what I realized was after looking for six to eight months, everything was either way out of my price range or it was um, it it was in my price range, but it wouldn't have done well as like a unique short term rental. Mm -hmm. Like it, there was nothing unique about it. It would have yeah. done well as a long term rental, but not a short term rental. So my very first real estate investment was a ground up development short term rental, which is a 800 square foot A frame that we own to this day. Um, yeah, and that, that I'm not gonna say that one's our crown jewel, but that one definitely does really well just because we've owned it for so long. And it's yeah. it's gone through before COVID during COVID and after COVID. So that's awesome. And, and coming from like a business standpoint, I think that is perfect to be able to have a property that has gone before COVID during yeah. COVID and after yeah, it's, COVID. It's, it's, yeah. And I mean, like, like, you I mean, yeah, that was our first 50, one. 50 years worth of market in like yeah, three or four years. Sure. Yeah. And then like that one turned into two really quickly, mm -hmm. two turned into four, brought on some investors. And today we're developing $10 million worth of short-term rentals alone and hopefully looking to double that next year. So Heck yeah, that's awesome. I want to circle back to a point real quick for our listeners, because a lot of our listeners are uh, brand new to the real or some to the real estate world. We actually do have a pretty decent real estate following. I coach a lot of real estate agents and in, in growing and scaling up their business. Awesome. Um, but then we have a lot of brand new entrepreneurs in general, 
right? And you said something about the mentor that you had, that he was very open about sharing his numbers and what he's done and helping you. Y'all, I want you to really take note of that because when you find a mentor that is actually interested in pouring into you, that is actually of value and not just one of these like, let me mentor you. Like I know yeah, everything, yeah. right? Yeah, They absolutely. genuinely just open up their books and are like, look, this is what I've done. This is what I'm doing. This is what I want to do. Like if you want to be a part of that, then we can we can make that happen. Yeah, I'd, especially in the real estate world, like, you like I'm not gonna say people are open with their numbers but it's uh, no matter what type of mentor you take mm -hmm. on I love that I love that you brought that up no matter what type of mentor you bro bring on like bring on especially in this world um like your mentor should be pretty open with showing you proof that they've done whatever you're trying to accomplish mm -hmm. yeah absolutely um what's the biggest lesson that you think you've learned getting into short-term rentals because that's a whole different ballpark um, yeah. just like in any industry there's multiple different facets that you could be a part of within that industry you know there's the long-term rentals there's the flippers the wholesalers the investors yeah, yeah. the short terms so being in the short-term space what do you think has been one of the biggest lessons that you've learned with that the biggest lesson i've transitioned into in the last year is understanding that you your, your short-term rental is a business. It's not just mm -hmm. a real estate property that you own. And what I mean, it, what that means is it, it's, it's a little bit more hands-on. There are tools to be able to automate a lot of this stuff. But what I realized was your, your business, your property, your short-term rental should not just live on Airbnb and VRBO. You should be building an entire business around your property. So what does that mean? That means like in the last like six months, we've been really focused on building out and working on um, a direct booking like um, strategy. What that means is like we're trying to take people off VRBO and Airbnb and bring them through our own website. And there's different strategies to do that. Um, but what I realized last year was you, you, Airbnb and VRBO and short-term rentals, those terms are usually used interchangeably. Oh, I own a couple Airbnbs, blah, blah, blah. Um, I like to think of myself in the hospitality industry. And uh, where Airbnb and VRBO are should just be looked at as like a marketing arm to your business. Yeah, no, it's it's a you. I mean, you said it. It's a marketing. That's what yeah. they're there for is to help you market your product yeah. to more people. Now they have yeah. a massive platform that they can do that and stuff. But I love how you said that you're in the hospitality industry. Yeah. <laughs> No, no. Like and, and you got the there. biggest thing I've also learned in the last, I mean, five, six years of doing this is that like, you need to think of the whole guest experience, yeah. not just the property itself. So like making recommendations for them, maybe planning their trip in like small little segments for them. Like there's templates to do that and stuff, but um, you got to think of the whole guest experience, not just the property itself. Yeah, absolutely. Did you see that there was a shift when you were first getting into the short term rentals of looking at it like the typical way that the industry looks at it is like, oh, I have an Airbnb oh, I have a v VRBO and then shifting more to like, no, I'm in the hospitality industry. I own these units, but these units are businesses in of themselves. I need to treat them. Yeah, I think I think I so this is my full time thing. I mean, I develop yeah. and manage property. So <laughs> I, I think I, I I did always have that mentality because I came into the industry with there weren't any like books or mentors on this topic when I first started. Maybe there were a couple, but I, I couldn't find them. Um, 
So I, I leaned very heavily on multifamily apartment books, self-storage mm. books, and any big type of real estate books that mm. I focused on. Um, and then on the other side, I, I read textbooks on like resort development, on textbooks on hotels and stuff like that. So um, I those are always looked at as businesses. Like if you own a hotel, that's a business uh, on top of a real estate asset. So I've always had that mentality just because when I first started, I didn't I didn't I didn't have any mentors or any resources just dive in when and just like looking at a property as just an Airbnb and just a VRBO. And again, I think that's what like people who purchased at the height of the market and now us going through a bit of a correction. I think mm -hmm. people who just think of, thought of a property as, oh, I'm just going to throw this on Airbnb. It's going to do well. I feel like those days are not necessarily done, but there is a little bit more strategy that needs to be done when listing a property and getting a property. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, there's so much more you can do in general. Like when I think of somebody going above and beyond, especially for the short term rental properties, there's a group over in um, an area called Concan, Texas, and they've got probably three or four little kind of like homes right in a small plot of land it's really yeah. close to the river. But they've created an entire TikTok around their small town and yeah. their their airbnbs and your yeah, yeah like so that, that's what we're currently yeah. doing is like uh short like I, I like to call it micro resort development is like six to twelve cabins clustered together um and you're building an entire social media platform around that specific property outside of our big brand like there's these little brands that we're developing like every single one of these little communities is its own brand but yeah no i love that like no, no matter what type of property you have, you, you should have some sort of social media presence with your property. Maybe, maybe you're just, instead of explaining the property, maybe you're talking like to other hosts about your property as well. Mm -hmm. There's different ways to touch on that. Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. But once again, again, it goes back to treating it like a business instead of just treating it like just an Airbnb or right. even just going back down to the hobby. I mean, you've probably read enough books. You know that most entrepreneurs are not real entrepreneurs. They're hobby entrepreneurs. And then they need to make that shift into treating it like an actual business. So that's awesome. Yeah, one of, one of my really good friends and mentors uh, just wrote a really good book on that called uh, Don't Start a Side Hustle. I think it comes out next month. But it's a book that talks exactly that, like, about crazy. that. Crazy. Don't, yeah, don't, yeah, don't start a side hustle. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, way too, way too many people get into that shiny object syndrome or like, yeah, I yeah. like to call it. And they, they see the big bucks and they're like, Oh, I can do this part-time. And are like, no, oh, you can't. Uh, if you want to do this part-time, you're going to make part-time income. If you want to make full-time income, you're going to have to work full-time. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I mean, you, you, you might make that transition initially where you can only put like two to three hours into something initially, oh, but sure. like you need to be consistent with laser focused on whatever you decide to yeah. get into. Yeah, but the expectation yes, is typically missed, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yep. Um, so you, you talked about, you know, reading some books and reading some textbooks. Is there a book or a textbook that you would recommend that anybody that wants to get into the short-term rental space has got to read? Um, Avery Carroll's book's really good. That just came out with Bigger Pockets. Um, that okay. one's a really good all-encompassing book. Um, I got to look behind me because there, there's a lot of good ones. I know I'm looking at my shelves right now and I'm like, there's so many. I'm, I'm gonna, uh, Daniel Rustin's book on short-term rentals was really good. That one's more of a techie book okay. Um, where he goes through a lot of different, um, trying to, I'm looking up his book real quick. Yeah. Optimize My B&B is, is a really good book on short-term rentals. Um, That's and good. There's just, but more people need books, that technical. 
Yeah, that and then yeah, so that that's why I recommended it too. It's like the it was like a strategy book and a techie book, and then just good good YouTube pages. Um, Rob built's really good. Um, but if you just look up like Airbnb, mm. whatever, you'll you'll find so many good YouTube channels on the topic as well. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if y'all just heard that or not. Uh, <laughs> my dog literally tried to jump on top of the table. I love it. I have never seen this dog try and jump on top of this table, and it's. I mean, this is not a short table. This is probably three feet off the ground. Um, he's like, I need to be on the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's listening and he's like, this is good stuff, man. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely love it. Um, so there's a question that I really enjoy asking people is what is a piece of advice that you love to give? And what is a piece of advice that may be hard to hear, but people really need to hear it? Yeah, so that? yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, it's a really good question. Um, the it's it's the consistency thing that I just touched on. It's like you have to dedicate two to three hours minimum a day on whatever you're focused on. I mean, maybe it might be an hour and blah blah blah. But if you have day, if you have days off, you should be working towards your goals. If you're trying to step away from whatever you're trying to step away from, mm -hmm. um. And I would say, sorry, what was the second part of that question? So the second part of the question is, what's a piece of advice? that may be hard to hear for somebody but they need to hear it yeah and I, I recently went through this so um i had some pretty lofty goals for myself mm -hmm. the last like five years or so and a lot of things really came together this year and um a big part of that was like obviously putting putting my family and my wife above everything mm -hmm. and so like taking care of my parents was one of my goal getting a, a nice house for like my wife and i outside of the ones we developed. We lived in an apartment for five years while we were developing all these properties, which was funny. But um, so getting a nice house, making sure we're all taken care of and blah, blah, blah. So that happened all this year. And what I realized was like, I sort of like looked around and was like, okay, I was like, is that it? So um, wh what I realized was you, you need a goal above your family, above anything. That's like this, like this big goal that gets you up in the morning it, it might not be a financial goal like I, I honestly believe in like giving back to some sort of cause in some in some way so um by studying some of the most successful people ever who've who've lived and live currently that that's if you look at their mission it's always like a bigger purpose mm -hmm. um and donating donating or contributing to some sort of cause bigger than yourself so i think something that's hard to hear is that like initially you should like you, you should get out of the rat race and try to figure out how to get out of the rat race and get your family out of the rat race but that should not be your overall goal because you'll you will get to that point if you're putting in consistent effort um so that might be a little bit hard to hear sometimes like not putting your not necessarily putting your family first but like putting a bigger goal above everything yeah. else yeah absolutely yeah. It's, it's really funny i teach something called pvc purpose vision and character yeah. and most people really get that purpose and that vision confused and they're like i don't know if i fully understand this like that purpose is so big you'll never reach it and you're yeah. always mm -hmm. striving to reach it yeah and that yeah. vision that's where those goals come in this is how i strategically want to do it but that purpose is going to be way way bigger and a lot of people miss that purpose portion of it and they just have that vision and they're like this is my goal this is what i'm gonna do it's like that's awesome why are you gonna do it oh it's for my family sorry family's not a good enough reason yeah. because you, you you will stop you're gonna get tired and then your family's gonna come and show up and support and say just do something else babe just do something different and yeah. then you'll give up 
But if you have something, a purpose stronger than all of that, then, yeah. I mean, you'll become unstoppable. Absolutely. So, yeah. There's a really good book called The On Purpose Person by Kevin McCarthy. And if y'all have ever listened to the podcast, for those listening in, like, Absolutely. you know, I probably talked about this, this book a million times. I've met the author. He's an absolutely fantastic guy. And I am a very technical person as well as a grand visionary. And I love how he gets into a systematic way to developing and understanding your purpose and why you're here above your business and above everything else, like finding your core why. And he does it in a really, really cool way. Um, but yeah, no, that's awesome. You, you talked a little bit about consistency. And I mean, here on the Today's Today podcast where, you know, yesterday's gone, tomorrow's uncertain, like, what are we doing today to achieve our success? We are all about consistency. What is something that has really helped you remain consistent in um, what I like to call DIPAs, daily income producing activities? So what has helped you remain consistent in doing the activities that bring in income into your business? Because a yeah, lot of entrepreneurs- no, I love that question. Did. So the, the overall framework to what I do mm -hmm. is the the one thing by Gary, uh, Gary Keller and Jay Papazan. Yep. Um, so I follow that religiously. So focusing on the one thing, maybe the, the top one to three things that need to be done in the day mm -hmm. um, and not maybe I'll check email in the morning just to get out, get that out of the way initially. Um, but if it's like big emails that need a lot of stuff, I usually don't dive pretty deep in, but I'll, I'll, I'll wake up, check email. Um, if it's small little emails that can be like maybe spend five to 10 minutes just on email. And then the the value I sat down like three months ago and what I realized was the value I bring to my business is content creation and developing these cabin communities in terms of finding the land and putting the deal together and putting mm -hmm. the financing. Everything else is delegated. The management of the properties is delegated. It's it's still my company, but I, I'm not I'm not in the day to day when it comes to the management. Um, so the 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 income producing things is content creation in my business and um and just putting together these communities and right now i'm not even putting together the communities i'm just nurturing those communities that have already that we've already are developing right now so yeah. just checking checking up maybe like once every week once every couple of weeks on them just to check on the progress yeah that's awesome yeah. and i want to circle back to that wording that you use because words are absolutely powerful you said the value that i bring to my business yeah. a lot of people will focus on the negatives and try and fix them with when it within their business whereas you're like no like that's just not the value that i bring into the business i just delegate it yeah yeah um well man what book was it that, yeah. that, that talked about i think it was who not how and outside of like content creation, because I, I write, mm -hmm. if you if you know what Bigger Pockets is, I write for their short term rental uh, blog, and um, that stuff's hard. Like writing blogs for me is very hard, but I know it's it's very important for my business. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, that that book, Who Not How, talks about like if you're procrastinating consistently on specific things that you need to be done in your business. Um, and they're not they're not your like number one income producing thing or the, the most important thing to your business. Mm -hmm. You should be delegating that. That's that's yourself telling yourself that you don't like doing this stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. it's really outside of blog posts, like content creation can get a little yeah. difficult. But outside of that, like you should be delegating all the stuff you don't like. Yeah, no. Le learn it to a certain point where you can correct it if something's being done wrong, yes. uh, but then delegate it. Yes. There's a point of knowing the different aspects to your business, 
like knowing about accounting, knowing about um, bookkeeping or like, and so the rum cake business that I own, right. You know, I started that from the ground up and I used to do dishes. Oh my gosh. I hated doing dishes. I procrastinated on doing dishes. It's just like you said. And then I finally was like wised up and I was like, Hey man, I should probably hire somebody to come do dishes for me. So that way I can bake even more cakes and get more product out there. And now I've got a fantastic team. I come in and when we get into our commercial kitchen, like we're there and I'm just like, Hey, this needs to get done. That needs to get done. I'm mixing this batter. I'm flipping, helping, making sure that everything looks correct. I've got somebody going and doing every single one of the dishes. They know as soon as something gets dirty and we're done using it, it's to go get cleaned. And they got another guy who's focusing on getting cakes in and out of the ovens and everything. But it's that stuff that allows me to go do what, oh my gosh, it just lights my heart on fire when it comes to the to that rum cake business, um, which also is a portion of just like not even being in the kitchen, but it's being right. out of the kitchen, just selling it. Um, but yeah, too many entrepreneurs try and do everything all the time and never relinquish any, um, I want to say power, any tasks to anybody. So Let's talk a little bit about how easy was it for you to delegate some of the aspects of your business to people and finding the people that you trust to be able to do those. So before you even, yeah, and I love that question too. So before you even find the people, um, so who not how talks about how to find those people and what you need, blah, blah, blah. I take it a step further. And I I talked about this in one of the blogs I wrote. Um, You want to be looking at technology first before people. So what type of technology can I put in place before I have to hire anyone, even if it's mm-hmm. part-time, even if it's part, part, part-time? Um, so I use, um, in, in my management business, um, a big, uh, I'm not really, I, I'm, I'm the visionary when it comes to the development stuff, but I'm not the GC. Like, I, again, I have, I have mm-hmm. people that, that not necessarily work for me, but they work on the projects. They're, they're GCs that I pay. Um, so after the vision, blah, 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 is done there, on the management side, um, automated messaging is huge. So just automating all the messaging. Um, we use a tool called hospitable that automates probably 60 to 80% of our messaging. And then when it comes, and then on top of that, um, having a good cleaning crew is very important. We have mm-hmm. a, again, a cleaning crew is not in house. It's, it's delegated, uh, through a third party, but they, they manage like a hundred properties. Um, yeah. so the, ours, ours are nothing compared to, to their overall business. And the last thing with the messaging thing is the other, 20 to 30% of the messaging that can't take be taken care of. Um, we hire virtual assistants that have worked with Airbnb and Marriott in the past um, to, to essentially manage our entire business on that side. Um, and that that's been key. Um, it's like there it's very cheap work, but I don't, we don't necessarily feel bad about it because we're paying them double what they would get paid in their mm-hmm. country. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, it's a win-win for both of us, but those, those virtual assistants have been key, um, in, in stepping away from the day-to-day, like tedious little task stuff. Oh, for sure. And I love too, how you brought up the distinction is like, go to technology first, because there's some yeah. amazing resources out there and yeah. then bring on like a virtual assistant and then work. I mean, honestly, like bring on other people. Um, yeah, yeah, I can't bring on a virtual assistant to do my dishes, unfortunately. For sure. um, but yeah. it is one thing that far too few people are utilizing. I mean, like even when you send me an email, it's like, hey, like, let's do this podcast together. Right. And I was like, hey, great. Here's the link to sign up exactly. and to like book yourself on my yeah. calendar. That's like, an it, assistant. Exactly. Like, 
Yeah, right. Exactly. It's like, I hate right. having to like look at my calendar and be like, when am I free? And it's yeah. like, nope, here it is. Find a time that works for you. And then we'll, we'll go from there and just make things so right. much easier. Um, and it's honestly, it's a lot cheaper yeah. than having to have incredibly yeah. <laughs> yeah have people like that automated messaging yeah. tool costs like 20 bucks per property if i would yeah if i was hiring someone to do all of that messaging like mm -hmm. that was that's at least a part-time like salary to do that yeah 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 absolutely that's awesome that's awesome um okay so in closing is there any advice um that you would give to somebody that's either um you know what we'll do this as a two-part any advice to somebody that is just getting started Yep. with short-term rentals and then advice to people that are wanting to scale up their business like you have. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm a huge believer in unique short-term rentals. That's, that's my entire business. So we don't, we don't go out and build just normal looking houses. Um, I mean, the categories I like to operate in are like a frames, log cabins, tree houses, chalets, cottages, barn, contemporary type of houses. That's what we're developing right now. Um, where the property itself is an experience outside of the community that the guest is visiting so um for the people who are listening even if you don't have the money to plop down you can get construction loans and all this fun stuff that's how i started but it, it you can you can start with like a really cool like glamping setup where it's like you don't really necessarily have running water or like i mean you could get like a composting toilet or stuff like that but you can you can start with like a glamping setup and scale up um, for people who are looking to scale up, I would look to partners. Um, once, once I got to a certain point, I couldn't guarantee the loans myself anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I, I started with friends and family initially, and then I went into, or I started with friends and then I went into raising capital. But if you're looking to scale and you don't really have the money to start, I'd look to like, it doesn't really cost that much money to start. Um, like the the very first cabin probably costs like anywhere between twenty and thirty thousand turnkey, mm -hmm. um, and that property nets us after debt service like forty five grand a year. So it's like we we like double our money every every year essentially we put into that. So and that money was borrowed from a friend. So it's mm -hmm. like um, when we first started, we didn't have too much. So I mean, just just get creative with it. Don't don't completely discount the fact that oh, it's a new development or blah blah blah. If people are looking to get started and don't want to do ground up, you can purchase a property with have with some land attached to it, maybe half an acre to a couple acres, where you can develop future future properties. So that that that's sort of the the long the short answer to that long question. Yeah, yeah. no, but that's absolutely awesome, um, y'all. If you are listening to this and you want to get more connected with Alex, um, his links are going to be down in the description below. If you got some value out of this podcast, make sure to leave it a five star review. That genuinely is a free way of helping boost this podcast and getting uh, allowing more people to listen in. Share this with a friend. Post it up to your social media. Make sure to tag us if you do. Um, we are so thankful for each and every single one of you, and we are looking forward to having you on our next podcast. Y'all have a phenomenal, phenomenal day, and we'll talk soon. Awesome. Thanks, man.